The following episode of Mark My Words has been edited for this rebroadcast. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mark My Words here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And today is February 16th, 2014. I'm Mark Shaw, broadcasting live from New York City. I'm a certified life and business coach, and twice per month I host Mark My Words, which is a life coaching-oriented show where I interview various people with inspiring life stories of of overcoming adversity. I also speak with authors of great coaching-related books and programs, as well as many others who have great things to say. So be sure to tune in with me the first and third Sunday of every month. Um, so today, I'm actually going to be interviewing a guest that I'm very excited to, uh, to interview, and uh, that's Jim Phillips. Uh, and um, basically, I just want to thank everybody first for last, uh, last episode, two weeks ago, I was going to interview Jim, and we had technical difficulties, but uh, those have all been resolved. So I'm really delighted that Jim is back with us uh, this evening. So, uh, so thank you, Jim, for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show. Certainly, certainly, as, as we begin round two. <laughs> so, um, so the holidays are finally past us. Unfortunately, the cold weather isn't. I can't believe how cold it is outside. Um, and, in fact, when I was in Toronto last week, it was 15 degrees colder there. And since they speak Celsius up there, it was like, you know, minus 18, minus 19. So it just sounded even colder than it was to me. But I love going there. It's such a great city. And I got to spend a really great weekend with a wonderful group of IPEC students uh, up there. We're all going to become amazing coaches. So, um, so while the holidays are past us and the cold weather isn't, something else that isn't are the bills. Uh, and, you know, when you think about all the holiday bills and the credit card statements that come in, I just, I, I can't separate that from all the stories you hear online and in the news about data breaching with Target and other stores uh, and the whole concept of identity theft. So um, we're going to be talking tonight, though, about a different kind of identity theft uh, that could be just as, uh, just as scary uh, and just as terrible as the kind of identity theft we're familiar with. So, uh, and what we're going to be discussing tonight is what we call spiritual and emotional identity theft. So with me to discuss this is Jim Phillips. Jim is a life coach and author of the book, The Key to Life, Living in Full Self-Expression. And in his work with clients uh, and in his book, Jim talks about recovering the true identity by learning to have the confidence to express ourselves honestly and fully, leading to a happy and fulfilling life. Like I said, I'm delighted to have Jim on the show this evening. Uh, thank you again uh, for being here, Jim, and welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, I look forward to the conversation, Certainly. too. Great, great. I know that in preparing for uh, for our interview, we just, God, we went off on nine different tangents with this stuff, but it's just all so great. So I, sometimes I don't even know where my interviews are going to go. They just go where they go, um, and they're always... Uh, fun and engaging, as certainly, uh, and my conversations with you are certainly no exception, Jim. So, uh, I'm excited about this for tonight. So, um, so actually, Jim, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all, the kind of coaching that you do, uh, and uh, let's start there. All right. Well, I live in Aldi, Virginia, 
about 20 miles or so outside Washington, D.C. I actually have been engaged in the real estate business now for about 36 years, and that's really where my introduction to coaching began, because as a real estate broker, I have agents that work with me and for me, and through my day-to-day interactions with them, I am coaching them on different aspects of real estate and challenges and opportunities that we have within that industry. And then it was about three years or so ago that it just seemed the natural thing for me to do to be certified as a life coach. And that's really where you and I met, Mark, as I went through the IPEC program and got certified as a life coach through there. And then I've just continued to do coaching outside my real estate practice. And most of the coaching that I do outside of real estate is really, there's business coaching in it, but a lot of it is more spiritual in nature and just really helping people more fully identify with their true self, really looking at what, what, what is their life purpose what, or how can they find their life purpose is probably a better way to, to express that and just become more comfortable with who they are and what they're doing and find that, that sense of fulfillment that I think most of us are looking for. Mm-hmm. So that's what Great. I'm doing. And in the meantime, I wrote a book. Yeah, yeah nothing better to do, so you just sat down and wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> so uh great. Very good. Very good. I'm just getting a note here by the way, uh from my sister saying that there's a little bit of background noise. It sounds like paper crumpling. So I apologize to listeners if you are hearing that. Uh don't know where that's coming from. Uh so hopefully that's not too distracting. So Jim, um tell me a little bit when you talk about um full self expression um and the key to life. Uh, which, of course, is the title of your book, The Key to Life, Living Full Self-Expression. Tell me, what is full self-expression as you refer to it, and why do you say it's the key to life? Well, the title of the book, The Key to Life, if you take the word life, it's spelled L-I-F-E, and that is the acronym for living in full expression. So there is that meaning in the title. That's the whole purpose behind it. And living in full expression is really living from your authentic self, and it's recognizing that we are much more than who we see when we look in the mirror. We're not the titles we assume. We're not the roles that we play while we're here on the earth. We're not not any of these things that we we believe we are, and we're certainly not the the person that people expect us to be. And, And that's one of the challenges that we have in living in full expression is that too often we try to be the person other people think we should be or we try to be the person we think we should be based on the expectations of other people. And yet there is this this knowing inside of each one of us and we all have the same sense and same feeling that that we, we know who we are. We really truly know who we are. And that's where the struggle and stress comes in life is is from this constant putting forth this facade that each of us is carrying around instead of allowing ourselves to fully express who we truly know ourselves to be. And that's really where my coaching comes in. It's about helping people drop the facade and start being real and and living from that true knowing of who they are and then creating life experiences that they truly desire to have as opposed to what shows up during the course of the day. It's about being intentional about life and about Mm -hmm. who they desire to be and express themselves to be. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Well, so tell me, Jim, why is it that we create uh, this facade and hide behind it? Why do you think it is that people, uh, in, in what you've seen, uh, create and do that? 
why do we do that? See, that's the that's the big question. Why do we do that? Because that really gets into a, a very deep spiritual conversation because it's my belief that we are here for the purpose of having that experience so that we have that opportunity to move through these different expressions. An expression, let me use the word expression. An expression is not just verbal. It is who we present ourselves as. It's, it's, it's how we show up. That's an expression. However we show up in whatever situation we're in is an expression of who we are at that particular moment. And so we create this facade because we, we have this sense of having to be a certain way. We, society, society basically has established the norms for us and how we're supposed to live. And we, we feel we're supposed to go to school and get a college degree and get a job and work hard and do all of these things and raise kids and just everything pretty much is laid out by society in terms of how we're supposed to be. And, and so we, we create this facade so that we fit in. Mm-hmm. And the facade is, is not, or not the facade, but the, you know, the facade that we create allows us to fit in or, or it's intended to allow us to fit in when, in fact, we're supposed to be here to be real, to be our authentic selves, to allow our true selves to, to come forth. But then there's fear around it, fear of, well, will people really like me if I'm really who I know myself to be? Will people want to associate with me, or will I fit in? And, sure. And, and, and yet, that's one of the biggest challenges that we have. And I call that in the book. I call it conditional living. We're living based on conditions other people have placed on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've been doing uh, a lot of work, um, as many of you know, um, with uh, regard to the Core Values Index assessment uh, that was created by uh, Lynn Taylor of Taylor Protocols based out in Seattle. And one of the things that uh, Lynn Taylor talks about in uh, one of his three books called, and of course the title is going to escape me right now, right? It's called, let's see, he's got the Core Values Handbook, The Grass is Greener, and it's the other one. And I'm in the middle of reading it. And the title is just gone from my head. Um, But it'll come to me. Anyway, he talks about in that book, it's called Choices. That's the name of it. In that book, he talks about uh, the concept that, you know, we're, we're all born with a unique combination of four spiritual core values that guide how we make decisions, how we view the world, what kinds of things we find engaging, what kinds of things we don't find engaging, how we interact with others and how we handle conflict how we learn, and the way overall that we are designed and hardwired to contribute to society, to the world, to the planet during whatever time each of us is here. And what happens is that we actually develop a personality, which is not inborn but learned. Our core value nature is, is inborn. A personality is learned. And this relates to what you were just talking about because he says that what happens is Our core value nature drives us to be and show up a certain way in the world. However, as infants, the trouble starts because we learn what kinds of behaviors get us our needs met and which ones don't. So we have a core value nature that causes us to behave in a default way. And we try to, we start behaving that way to get our needs met. You know, we're infants. We have these giants called parents and adults and grown-ups that we depend on for our very sustenance. 
Um, later, that sustenance really becomes, now we depend on other people for what you were talking about, Jim, which is acceptance and inclusion and validation, right? Um, but it starts as a kid, uh, as a baby, that in order to get my needs met, in order to get held, in order to get changed, in order to get fed, I learn that I have to behave in certain ways. And through trial and error, I learn a system of behaviors that gets my needs met in the world. Then that is what becomes my personality. And that personality, simply depending on a whole bunch of random factors, can warp away from who we are or can actually be more in line and warp towards who we truly are at a spiritual level. So that's what it sounds like you're talking about. It's the fear of not having our needs met in the world whether it's societal needs, parental needs, whatever it is. So we create this other sort of self that is designed to protect us and make sure we get our needs met, and that is often not the true core of who we are at a spiritual level. Right. And, and then that's all, it's also where our limiting beliefs show up because then – we we have these what we can look at and say these are societal norms and we compare ourselves against other people and what we perceive other people's successes to be and we don't look at other people's failures so much but it's really more about their successes and then we we have these limiting beliefs that tell us we're not good enough talented enough skilled enough to have or do these things that we would really like to have and do or be in the world and then that creates more issues and more conflict for us Mm-hmm. And so really getting back to the whole point of self-expression, it's about understanding that those are nothing more than illusions, those limiting beliefs. They're, they're not real. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, in coaching, and I know you do this too, it's about helping people recognize that there is way more evidence that they are capable of creating and experiencing whatever they want in life than there is evidence that these limiting beliefs are true. And mm-hmm. if we can help people reflect on those times when they actually achieved or acquired whatever it was that they were attempting to do or to acquire, show them that they have had all these successes, mm-hmm. that there's, there's all this positive evidence that they are way more capable than they allow themselves to be. Isn't it interesting how, you know, the, the evidence piece, we can find evidence for either side of, of those kinds of beliefs, right? We can find evidence to reinforce the limiting belief that shows that we're, that we're not going to be successful and that we have to behave this way or that way. Or we can find evidence, like you said, to support the fact that we are, that we are capable and can be successful and, in fact, have been. Um, and, and then sometimes, even when we're well aware of the evidence that points to our success, we downplay it. We excuse it. We say, yeah, but that was, just, that was different. <laughs> or, oh, well, that was just luck. Or that's because I had more money back then and was full-time employed. Or I was in a relationship back then. Or I was thinner then, you know, or anything along those lines. And it's just really funny how we do that to ourselves and ultimately uh, sacrifice who we are and what we're truly capable of. So, um, and uh, by the way, I just want to also uh, say if anybody would like to call in with comments um, uh, or questions this evening, please feel free to do that. The number is 646-716-9397, 646-716-9397 if you have any questions for Jim or, uh, or myself. Um, so, Jim, I, I want to chat with you a little bit about your book. Um, and uh, which, again, is called The Key to Life, Living in Full Self-Expression. Um, and when we were talking, uh, we had talked about the 
the Picasso story that many listeners may have heard uh, in the past and how that relates to uh, uh, your, your decision to write the book. So for those of you who might not be familiar with this particular Picasso story, uh, there's a, a tale of a man who asked Picasso, uh, so, Picasso, you're some great artist. Go ahead, paint me a picture. So Picasso takes about you know, three or four minutes and takes out some paints and whatnot and whips up something and gives it to the guy. And uh, he says, so how much would you charge for this? And he gave him his price, tens of thousands of dollars, if that, even if, if not more. And uh, the guy says, well, why so much? It only took you three or four minutes to do it. And Picasso's response was, no, it took me an entire lifetime. And we talked a little bit about how that related to your writing this book. Um, mm -hmm. Comment on that a little bit. I have people ask me the question all the time, how long did it take me to write the book? I just turned 60 years old, and it took me every bit of that. Hmm. It's, it's, it's because of the experiences that, I'll speak for myself, the experiences that I have had and that I will say that I had to have to gain the understanding that I currently have. Mm -hmm. it, it's not like you wake up one morning and all of a sudden you're just imbued with all this knowledge. It, it comes from a lifetime of experiences so that when you are in a position to share information or to teach or to coach, that you're doing it from an experiential standpoint as opposed to just concept. And I believe I can touch people more deeply because I have had the experiences I've had. And it, it doesn't stop. In the course of writing the book, which actually when I put pen to paper, and, and started writing the book, it was probably about two years. And it, actually, it hasn't stopped because I'm, I'm just now finishing up the final editing of it. I'm going to get it to the publisher tomorrow. Hopefully, the book will be out in about a month. So the process still Great. continues. But my point being, in the course of writing the book, as I would write a particular chapter, I would then have the experience of whatever that particular chapter's topic was. I would live it. It would, it mm -hmm. would be... It would show up. I would have experiences that would really allow me to go much more deeply into the subject matter than maybe if I hadn't had the experience. And I had already had the experiences to a certain degree, but it just seemed that every time I would write about it, it would just get deeper and deeper and, and give me that, that greater perspective on it. So I agree with the Picasso story. It is, it's, it, and it's ongoing. It, it's not like you all of a sudden you write a book and things stop. Mm -hmm. It's just a constant process of expanding your understanding and knowing and more precisely your experience of self. And that's why I believe we're all here. Mm. I really like what you said about uh, the experiences that you had and then you, you backtracked on that and said actually the, experience that I, the experiences that I needed to have in order to write the book. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just reminds me, you know, the, the concept that I heard that uh, – it says we are not physical beings having a temporary spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience. Um, you know, we are, we're actually spiritual beings first before we're physical beings, and we, uh, we forget that. We focus on all the merits that, that seem to exist in our physical world, and we forget about the spiritual ones uh, that are really what underlie our, our success. Well, I'll give you a, an interesting take on that. One of, the, one of the things that I do in the book, and actually in my coaching and my speaking, is, is I have this way of working with words. And 
sometimes creating new words or at least taking a word and out of a word I can create a meaning, like the title of the book, The Key to Life, Life Being Living in Full Expression. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was thinking about was this whole idea of us being spiritual beings here on the earth or in the earth plane and having this, this human experience. And I'm thinking, okay, so we're here for a lifetime, so what is a lifetime really? And it's a period of time. And then the word sojourn came to mind. And, you know, sojourn is a temporary stay in a place or temporary trip that you're on. And I said, okay, well, we're actually a soul that's here. So now I started using the word sojourn. S-O-U-L-J-O-U-R-N. Mm-hmm. And so that's in the book. So we're actually here on a sojourn, which is a short temporary stay as a soul in a human body for the period of time that we're on the earth plane to have the grandest experience and expression of self that we possibly can. Hmm. Love that. Love that. Um, and there's so many different spiritual teachings out there, too, that, that speak about that. It's, it's, you know, no matter how vastly different they are from one another, uh, whether they're religious-based or not, or if they're based in different religions, that ultimately speak to the concept that we have a spiritual purpose in being here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that it's our journey to discover what that is and then express that through whatever role we play, whatever hat we wear. Um, or hats and roles in the in the physical world. Mm-hmm. So um, that's great. Well, one of the things that, that that I want people to understand is that when I speak, I'm not trying to get somebody to believe what it is that I believe. It really is about people listening to what I have to say, looking at it as being a different perspective, and causing them to think for themselves. Because I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have in the world today is that not enough people think for themselves. We, we mm-hmm. tend to follow the herd. We, we, we don't have time to think for ourselves. We're too caught up in the day-to-day stuff of life. Mm-hmm. And yet, if we would take time to really think about why we believe the things that we do and realize that the choices we're making, for the most part, are being made on things we don't really understand, mm-hmm. then we could be really off track in terms of where we might want to be uh, along our life's path. And yet that can be corrected by just taking time and really thinking about, well, who am I and why am I here? And, and what really gets me excited when I get up in the morning? And not even looking at it as a life's purpose, but what is it that really excites me so that I can make sure that I'm putting time into those things that allow me to experience the depth of happiness that I believe I'm here to experience? Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to actually write a book about all this? I could tell you're very passionate about it. Um, you really live there, uh, you know, and... Uh, uh, it, it's clear to me from having you in the class uh, and whatnot that uh, while you've learned to coach, uh, that's, that was a set of skills that you've now acquired and learned to be able to communicate your message and to be able to make the difference that you want to make. And that's, that's who you were before you, uh, before you uh, decided to do a coach training program. Um, so, so you're getting that out in the world. You've got the skills to do that through coaching individuals and groups. Why a book? A couple of things. It, it was me living in, in full expression of myself because if I didn't write the book, then I would be living in self-denial. So that whole idea of self-denial is, is very fitting for me. I, it just got to the point where I had so much information that needed to be put down on paper 
So number one, it was cathartic for me because I needed to get the information out of me, put it on paper. Then it was a matter of trusting that what I had to say was going to be of value to other people. And that's a really difficult thing to do because you're basically burying your soul, literally, when you write a book on spirituality and put it out there for the world to see. Because now you've exposed yourself and all your beliefs and thoughts and how you live life and, and everything is out there to be criticized. And, of course, that's one of the biggest fears I think most of us have, and that is not being accepted by people. And I will tell you, I've got family and friends that don't agree with what I've written. And it's been very difficult to hear their comments about who I am and what I'm doing. But yet at the same time, that was also the catalyst to cause me to go ahead and, and what I call step into my magnificence. And that is to allow this to be expressed because it is who I am. It is what needed to be expressed through me. And I truly believe that there is a benefit and not so much the benefit of the words that I've written, but the benefit in that it will cause people to think for themselves. Mm. So you've actually received some some pushback uh, and some challenge to uh, to your message and to your desire to put it out there from friends and family. Absolutely. Hmm. Can you comment on that a little bit? Can I ask you about what 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 are some of the things that you've uh, that you've heard people say? They it's things that would reinforce, and I'll get specific in a second, but I'm mm -hmm. just thinking about this. It, it's it, it's comments that would reinforce limiting beliefs I already held about myself. So I, I look at their comments as being another way for me to say, okay, you know, I've got these same thoughts. I've thought these things about myself. I know that they're not true. So just because somebody else says it doesn't mean that it's true. It's just, it's just bringing it to my attention again that gives me the strength and the courage to continue moving into my magnificence and, and stay there and, and not allow somebody to dislodge me. But it was things like, who do you think you are? You have no credibility. You, you, you don't have a degree in theology or spirituality or any of the things that you're writing about. Mm. Really things more along those lines, more, more just why I think I am capable of sharing what I know or why anybody would be interested in it. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm going to give you a quick story. This, this really was, was one of the catalysts for me, and this was about, it, it must have been 15 years ago, I was... I was speaking in front of a real estate audience, but typically when I would speak, I would always have some spiritual bent to it, and there would be some things that I would share, and they would be things that people wouldn't necessarily recognize as being overtly spiritual, but they were always there, and I knew they were there. Mm -hmm. So I spoke to this large group, and typically after I would speak, people would come walking up to the front and ask me questions that were more personal in nature than if they would ask it in the, in the group setting. So they would just come sure. up and ask me questions. So answer some questions for people, ended that session. So about two years later, I was in that same area, and I don't even remember where it was, and same kind of thing. I gave my presentation, did the same thing with some spiritual aspects to it. People came up to the front, and I had some people standing in front of me, and this lady kind of made her way and kind of pushed through the, it wasn't really a crowd, but pushed through the, the group of people that were in front of me. And I looked down at her, and she said, I heard you speak two years ago, and what you said saved my daughter's life. And she turned around and walked away. Wow. Don't know who she was. Don't know what I said. Never heard from her again. I have no <laughs> clue what that was about. But it dawned on me that we are way more powerful than we think we are. And we have much more influence on the lives of other people than we think we do. And more often than not, we're never going to know that we do. 
Mm-hmm. So we have to trust that we are, in fact, having an impact in the world and other people's lives. And I was fortunate in that I had this woman step forward and say that to me because mm-hmm. that gave me some sense of knowing that I was, in fact, impacting people. So mm-hmm. now when I speak, it's a matter of I don't have to reach everybody. I only have to reach one. Yeah. And if I do, my job's done. I don't have to worry about everybody else because it doesn't matter. It, it matters to the one that's open and receptive to whatever it is that I might have to say. Yep. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I'm reminded, God, I'm reminded of so many things in that. But one thing that, that comes to mind was um, my freshman year in college, I remember receiving a, a letter in the mail before arriving, uh, before arriving to school. It came sometime over the summer. And it was from the Housing and Residence Life Office, and they said that they uh, had created a Big Brother, Big Sister program um, for the freshmen. I think it was in my particular residence hall. It wasn't campus-wide. It was a pilot program um, where an upper-class student uh, would be a volunteer to just be your your guide, your mentor, your kind of go-to person. So you kind of have an automatic friend when you arrive um, who can kind of show you the ropes and, and, and be there. And, uh, I, and, and so you had to send back a postcard if you wanted to have a big brother or big sister. Well, I loved the idea, so I sent the postcard in. And I remember, um, I remember her. She was an RA. She was a resident assistant in the residence hall. Her name was Ellen, Ellen Brownstein. She was just lovely. And um, she was like my my rock my confidant because i had a, i had a bit of a difficult adjustment to my freshman year in college and i was so glad that she was there well i learned um sometime through that program maybe about a month into it that out of all the freshmen that they emailed that they, they didn't email we didn't have email back then <laughs> and we walked to school we walked to school uphill both ways barefoot in the snow um yeah but out of all the freshmen that they mailed that mailing to, I was the only one that responded and said that I wanted a big brother or a big sister. And so they decided not to do the program again the following year because they deemed it unsuccessful because they only had one person who took advantage of it. Well, if you ask me, I would say it was enormously successful. Right. Um, I don't know how I would have gotten through the beginning of my freshman year without Ellen. And uh, I, she was just amazing. In fact, I've got to find her on Facebook now. Now that I've mentioned her, and <laughs> see if uh, I can reach out to her and let her uh, let her know. Um, you know, and uh, there was a school teacher of mine too in high school that made a very big difference for me with something that she did one day, standing up to a bully for me. Um, and it, it, it sticks out for me today, and I talk about it in a lot of my seminars. And I've actually tried to find her to also let her know that difference that she made for me. Um, and because, uh, you know, I've had it happen, too, where people have said that to me, and I know the feeling. It's just so incredible. You, you, you really, for me, I know when it happens, I feel useful. I feel like I'm carrying out my purpose. I feel like I've done my duty. And it's an amazing feeling, and I want to be able to give that to uh, to these other folks that have impacted my life. So. That's great. I, I, that, I'm great. It's, it's great to hear that uh, that, that happened. And, and I like how you're not attached to having to know who it was or what you said. You just get that it was what it was, and it was enormously valuable nonetheless. Right. And those things show up at the, at the perfect time to give us that encouragement and that, that uh, what's the word I want to say, the, uh, well, the acknowledgement of what we're doing being a benefit. Now, also, mm-hmm. I would just want to comment about your situation with this Big Brother situation at school. 
Mm-hmm. And that is, from a very spiritual standpoint, that was set up by you a long time ago so that when you were going to go to college, there would be that situation in place for you. And the fact that it was there only that one year, we can say it was just a coincidence. Or I would just say, no, it wasn't a coincidence. That was something that was established specifically for you so they could help you when you went to college your freshman year. Yep, absolutely. Established for me and by me. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's great. Yeah. I guess that gets into the same notion, too, about how we choose our parents. We choose the life that we're, that we're born into because it is those, those very sets of combined circumstances uh, that, that set us up to carry out whatever, the, whatever that spiritual purpose is that we've, uh, that we've come to the planet to carry out. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, before we continue, I just want to take a, a little... Um, a uh, little break and announce some of the upcoming shows that we've got coming up on the Life Coach Radio Network here on Blog Talk Radio. So on the 18th, which is Tuesday, uh, at 12 noon, we've got Fun to Fortune Entrepreneur Startup Success with Coach Jeff. So you can join the conversation for those who've created fun businesses and uncovered their fortune in the process. Callers and guests share their inspiration, their businesses, and what makes their businesses fabulous, the challenges, the obstacles, and what helps them persevere and prosper. That way you can listen and learn as you go through the startup what is yourself. And then on the 20th, uh, that's two days later at 1 p.m., we've got Walk Your Talk with Leanne into the 12 relationship mistakes that women make. This is a very exciting program. Leanne's amazing. She's created the dynamic heirloom coaching process, um, and her process is devoted to empowering women around the world whose lives have been touched by the heart of adoption uh, to embrace their stories, give voice to their challenges, and discover how to build bridges instead of walls in all of their relationships. Uh, and then on February 24th at 8 p.m. is Spiritually Speaking with Reverend Jen. Uh, and Reverend Jen hosts her show the second and fourth Monday evening of every month, uh, and she hosts special guests who bring their own unique take on spirituality. Um, and then, of course, my next show of Mark My Words on March 2nd at 9 p.m., uh, and I am very excited to be uh, doing that show. It's called Rewrite Perfect. This recovering perfectionist gets real about failure and what's truly perfect. And I'll be interviewing Maria Pascucci, who recently did her first TED Talk at the TEDx Buffalo Women Conference in Buffalo, New York. And uh, so she's a coach and author, and she speaks of her personal battle with extreme perfectionism and overachievement and the physical illness, illness that manifests as a result. She'll, she'll take you through her journey from severe pain, from self-induced stress-related illness, including endometriosis, to an empowered life on her way to joy, happiness, and fulfillment. She's also the founder of Campus Calm, which helps students, uh, college students overcome stress and meet success and develops female student leaders. Um, and if you want to get a preview of her talk, her TED Talk, um, you can find that actually on, on the Mark My Words Radio uh, website at markmywordsradio.com. And her talk is called Recovering Perfectionist My Ass. So you can watch that in its entirety at markmywordsradio.com. So 
back to Jim. And before we continue, I just want to announce the phone number again in case there's anybody out there that would like to call in and ask Jim Phillips or myself a question. That's 646-716-9397 is the guest call-in number. And um, please be sure to press 1 when you call in so that we'll see that you're looking to ask a question. 646-716-9397 is the guest call-in number. So, um, so, Jim, let me ask you this. You talk about um, full self-expression, right? And some people might say that that sounds like they always have to be on and, and honestly expressing 100% of what they're thinking and feeling and can't ever hide anything and be 100% authentic every moment of every day. <sighs> sounds exhausting. What do you say to that? Well, I, the first thing that comes to mind for me is how exhausting is it right now to maintain the lie that we're maintaining of who we believe ourselves to be? Mm-hmm. Because we're expending a lot of energy maintaining that. Yep. It's our thoughts about what we think living in full expression are that cause fear because we think we have to be a certain way. And, in fact, when you were just announcing the different programs coming up and you were talking about this lady that you're going to be interviewing the, the recovering perfectionist. Mm-hmm. There's a, a part of my book. There's a, a section of my book that that I wrote because walking the the talk, basically, with someone who writes about spirituality. There, for me, there was a certain sense of having to be a certain way, of mm-hmm. living in a way that was reflective of somebody who was uh, overtly spiritual. And it got to be really, really difficult and really, really hard, and I was stressed out about it all the time. So I was constantly seeking guidance on it, understanding. And I finally was, was given some very profound guidance on it, and it was mm-hmm. quit trying to be a perfect human and just be perfectly human. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that sunk in, there was a huge burden that was lifted off of me. Because it was, I was trying to be something other than what I was. I'm here as a human being. We're mm-hmm. here to be human. We're here to make mistakes. Although I'm going to say there are no mistakes, but I'm just going to use that term because we all relate to that. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're, we're here to fall down. I've taught you well. Up. <laughs> yeah, but we, well, we're here to fall down and pick ourselves up and to do things that are uncomfortable and do things that cause mm-hmm. us some some challenges and that's all about being perfectly human that's the experience that we're here for Mm -hmm. but living in full expression is is living from your heart essentially it's living from your heart it's doing those things resonate most deeply with you on a a very deep spiritual heartfelt level and when you're when you're living from your your authenticity like that there's no stress involved you're just being it's just mm-hmm. it's all natural. There's there's yeah. no pretense about it. And and that's where the stress and struggle of life comes in because that's the facade, this pretense of having to be or act or say or do or based on what everybody else wants us to say, be or do. Mm-hmm. And when we're coming from the heart, we're just being natural. We're being who we who we truly are. Now, that also for a lot of folks may bring to mind that we would live in a society that was nothing but chaotic. And that's not true because if people are living from the heart, you're not out there taking advantage of people. You're not out there uh, just doing whatever you want to do. It's Mm -hmm. about being real and and living from the heart and understanding that there is compassion, there is love, there is joy and happiness. So you're living from that place. 
versus a place of fear where you're constantly on guard. When, you, when you're living in full expression, you're not on guard like that. Yeah. It takes a lot and of also, energy and, and is exhausting to be on guard like that. It is, without, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I say that when we're actually when we're living in full expression of who we truly are, it's, it's, there's less energy being because it's just a natural flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I talked uh, at, the, at the beginning of our, of, our, uh, of, of our show this evening about the, uh, the Core Values Index and, and Lynn Taylor's work. And, again, he talks about that, too. And it's so aligned with what you're talking about, um, where the goal is to understand where we have created that adapted personality that isn't truly who we are but has become a survival technique to get our needs met in the world. How do we get in touch with what that is and then get in touch with, well, what's our true spiritual nature so that we can then start making decisions in what we do in our lives and how we express ourselves in our relationships that are more aligned with who we truly are? Because to the degree that we're doing that is the, deg- is the degree to which we find ourselves happy and fulfilled in our lives and in the world. And to the degree that everybody in the world is doing that, is a degree to which the world is a happier place where people's needs are truly met. And, I mean, I can go on for, for days about the impact that would have globally on all of the things that we're facing now in the world everywhere, politically and economically and, uh, and, and all, that, all, the, all the wonderful stuff that's happening in the world right now. So um, this is really, you know, it's important stuff. Uh, not just, you know, woo-woo, airy-fairy stuff, as some people hear it. Uh, this is really important stuff for, for, for living happy and fulfilled lives. So, um, great. So you know, here's, an, here's an example, Mark, of, of just, you're talking about globally. And, mm-hmm. and this is a really simple example. And yet, to me, it's one of the easiest ones to understand. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make an assumption that everybody on the planet would love to live in peace. Mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty fair assumption to make. I think, I think you know, even those that are, that are warfaring people, I think it's somewhere within them they would, like to be, they would like to be living in peace. Yep. If everybody woke up tomorrow morning and was peaceful, there would be no more war. There wouldn't be hunger. There wouldn't be homeless people. There wouldn't be all these things that we have that we identify as being the needs and the struggles and the conflicts around the planet. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is a conscious decision for everybody to wake up and say, today I will be peaceful. Yep. That's it. Yep. Absolutely. It, it, you know, it, it's that simple, but it's that challenging because then, of course, thoughts come up, well, you know, I can say I'm going to be peaceful, but then Steve down the street, I know he won't be peaceful. He's not that kind of guy. Right. And that's, that's the unfortunate part of it, because then we, we don't make the decision to be who we want to be because we say, well, so-and-so won't, so why should I? Yeah, sure. And, and it's got to begin with the individual. Absolutely. Great. And we actually have a caller who has called in on a line that I'm going to pick up, and uh, it looks like, if I recognize the area code correct, uh, which is 206, I believe that's someone in Seattle. So go ahead, caller. You're on Mark My Words Radio. Hi, good evening. Yes, you know, I'm interested in your talking about the flow and um, in, in our true selves and all of this. And what's, what's so interesting about what you're talking about is 
that that it can both fit within traditional religious frameworks and you know and in you know types, but the particular getting in the way of the flow, I can't help but think in traditional religious language that that's that's sin, you know, and and and, and somehow even in being able to call it sin, I think there's a certain power that it taps into us, you know, that that that's what getting in the way of ourselves and each other is really about. Anyway, so just wanted to throw that comment out. Sure. No, I appreciate the comment. Um, and actually, can I just ask uh, where you're calling from? Uh, I am actually calling from Seattle, yes. Oh, I was right about Seattle. Okay, great, great. Uh, so great. So, uh, Jim, that's a really good uh, point. How, how would you respond to that? I'm not sure I understood the, the whole comment about sin and how if we're living in flow, that somehow is, is, is living in sin. No, because... I, actually, exactly the opposite. Oh, okay. That, that, that I, I the, flow, that. the flow is being true to ourselves, right? And that's mm-hmm. also being true to each other in relationship. And that's, right. uh, that, that's actually, in, again, in, in theological language, I, I would call that living in grace. But but it's mm-hmm. it's getting in the way that that I think even the concept of of sin is a, a much more universal religious concept, which I think is 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 important to draw from, you know. And um, anyway, that's uh, you know I, I just don't want to throw throw away traditional re- religious language because there's a power in it, and I think it taps into exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes, well I, I I will agree with with what you just said. I don't. I don't look at there being sin, and this has mm-hmm. nothing to do with religion. This just happens to be my personal belief because I don't believe that that God or spirit or the universe or whatever term that anyone might want to apply to this universal life force. I don't mm-hmm. believe that entity is judgmental, uh, and if that entity is not judgmental, there isn't sin. There isn't anything for which we would be judged or condemned. I think okay. I mean, I, I I hear, I hear, I hear what you're saying, and and I, I mean, I think that the, that that we have slightly different operational concepts of sin, um, but uh, but no, I, I that certainly is a valid point about the judgment piece. Um, that that's yeah, I hear that. Great. Okay. Well, thank you, thank you very much for the call. I really appreciate your thoughts, and uh, yes. and uh, and thanks for listening, and thanks for calling in. Thank you. So um, yeah, very good point. You know, and, it, and it's interesting because um, you know when we get into conversations about spirituality, we can really uh, get into all kinds of conflicting notions about right and wrong, moral and immoral. Um, and I'm imagining too that, that 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 might be some of the pushback that you run into, uh, Jim, with with some family and friends, as you mentioned earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, the and I think it just goes to show you, you know, what I loved about that caller was that uh, just his passion behind what he had to say. And I think when people talk about these concepts, they're very passionate because these are these mm-hmm. really go to the core of what we believe and what we feel and what we want and what we desire. Um, and uh, they could be very they could become very passionate discussions. Mm-hmm. And, and that really gets to the point that I wanted to make earlier. It's not about people adapting my way of thinking or my way of living. It's about people thinking about why they believe and live the way that they do and really holding on to that and being passionate about it, mm-hmm. being open to other ideas and, and other thoughts, but not necessarily 
having to change as a result of it. But I think yes. it helps people reinforce what they believe and, and what they're passionate about. And I think that's great. It's not about one is better than the other. It's about living your truth based on what you believe. And, and you know, that, that really gets to living in full expression, too. It's about living to your truth as you know it in the moment. Mm-hmm. But also being open to the fact that the truth as you know it could change the next day. And yeah. being open to changing how you might express yourself from that point forward. Yes. In fact, I want to ask you uh, something about that in a minute because I know there's a quote that you, uh, that, you, that you like to refer to a lot that speaks to that. But first, I also just want to mention that I think that, uh, again, back to the gentleman who just called in, that I think he's a, a shining example of someone who in that moment was living in full self-expression um, and also honoring what you just said about how uh, we don't have to force people to change or even change ourselves if people disagree with us. And I loved how he said to you, oh, well, okay, um, we obviously have some slightly different notions uh, about sin uh, fundamentally, um, but, but I hear what you're saying and I hear the point you're making, and hey, great. You know, usually where conversations like that go are people try to convince each other that they're wrong or that they're right and yada, yada, yada. And I just really think that um, uh, what, the, what the gentleman who called in really did was he expressed himself in the way that you're talking about expressing yourself, you know, able to say, this is my truth. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be yours. It's mine. And right. if it's not yours... I still value it just as much, and I don't feel like I have to change it just because it's not yours. And if the whole world would communicate that way, I just think um, uh, we'd, we'd be so much better off. So, again, I want to thank the caller for, uh, uh, for the call and for role modeling that. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the quotes in your book, uh, just to back up to that from a moment ago, uh, that I really like and uh, is, Today what I know to be true, tomorrow might not be. So tell me about what that quote means to you. It is, it's my mantra, and it allows me to stay open to any new thoughts, any new ideas, any new perspective that I might be presented so that I can constantly be expanding my understanding and my experience of life and more precisely my experience of myself. And and that's really what, in my opinion, what life on earth is about is having a continuous expanding experience of me and that that quote really came about because I started challenging myself as to why I believed what I believed and and recognizing that it's very easy to get stuck in well this is what I believe and this is the truth and I'm sticking to it and I'm not I'm not moving off this point well that's where we get ourselves into trouble Mm-hmm. Because we're not allowing ourselves to to grow and expand. We're, we're, we're trying to hold on to what we believe is the truth, even though there might be growing evidence that what we know to be true, I'm not going to say that it's wrong, because our truth is only based on the information we have to, the, to that moment. Mm-hmm. And what this quote means is allowing new information to come in, not suggesting that anybody is right or wrong, but really reassessing our position or my position in this case and just saying, well, okay, well, what I know is, is this, 
but now here's some new information that's showing me that, well, what I know isn't all the information. Now I have new information pertaining to this particular topic, so now I can expand my understanding. So that, to me, would mean that what I knew today is truth. Tomorrow might not be because this new information has come in that alters my view of whatever that particular topic or subject or whatever it might be. It's just, to me, a very, a very easy way to just remain open and receptive and not get stuck in thinking that I know something and that it's absolute. Sure, sure. That's great. That's great. And quotes are just, you know, they're always so amazing. They're so, they're so simple, and they, and they carry so much. Um, and I like another one of yours uh, that's in your book was, if you're inspired to do something, it is intended to be. If it is intended to be, all is provided for it to be. Comment on that one a little bit. That, to me, has a lot to do with allowing ourselves to two things, step into our magnificence, which, which to me is allowing ourselves to be fully who we are, allowing ourselves to be as grand as we can possibly be. And it, it speaks to our limiting beliefs that many of us hold about not being good enough, not being talented enough, not having this, not having that. Whatever it is that we can come up with that prevents us from moving forward or having that grander experience of self. So that came to me when I was thinking about inspirations that we have. And, and an example that I've used many times is that we can wake up in the morning and we can have, and I'm sure everybody has had this before, you wake up in the morning and you have this, this incredible idea. It's just, you're, you're just, everything in you is passionate about it. It's just one of the greatest thoughts you've ever had. And you, you, whether you're going to make money with it or not doesn't matter, but it's just this thing you want to do and you're passionate about it, you're excited about it, you're formulating all these ways to get it out into the world and all these wonderful ideas are coming up and you're just really pumped up. And so you're going through the course of the morning, you're having breakfast, and you're thinking about it, and then you go to the office if you go to an office, or you go on with your day, and all of a sudden you start having thoughts, and your thoughts are, well, I'm not so sure about this. That seems like it's going to be too much work. Or, you know, what, what's this person going to say if I actually do this? Or, or are people going to think this is a stupid idea? Or who am I to think that this is something that would be beneficial to, to anybody else? So by lunchtime, right. you've talked yourself out of your inspiration or right. this incredible idea. So the point of that quote is that we wouldn't have those inspirations if it wasn't intended to be. Mm-hmm. So what I tell people is when you have that inspiration, grab it and run with it. Don't talk yourself out of it, and don't let somebody else talk you out of it. And then when you accept the fact that if you have an inspiration and it was intended to be, that everything that's necessary for it to be will be provided, then you just keep moving. Mm-hmm. You, you don't let any of these obstacles or perceived obstacles that might show up prevent you from really going after it. Sure. And, you know, some people will say, yeah, but I've done that before and I really haven't achieved what I wanted to. And, and my question is, well, what did you gain from the experience? Mm-hmm. And it's always, well, I learned to trust myself. Well, that's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Or I gained more confidence. Yeah. Or I found different ways that I can do some other things as a result. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the point of the quote. It's just it's allowing yourself to just go after those inspirations, knowing that they are coming to you, in, in my belief, from your soul, and it's your soul saying, this is the experience we're going to have, and yeah. this is what we're going to do. 
that we have free will that allows us to make choices that prevent those things from actually taking place. But then that's where the limiting beliefs come in. But yep. those inspirations are strong. They're nudges from the soul. This is what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting as I'm listening to you, Jim, and as we're talking about this, it just feels like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking again about, you know, how we call this the, the concept of emotional and spiritual identity theft. It almost seems easier to protect ourselves from this kind of identity theft than it is to prevent uh, identity theft in the, of the physical world type, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's like there's yeah. just so much there that's so much beyond an individual's control, um, whereas here there's so much that's more within our control. Um, just by raising our awareness, raising our consciousness, understanding more about who we are, understanding what the limiting beliefs are that hold us back, the way we interpret things that hold us back, the assumptions that we make about, oh, well, I've already been there before. I know how this kind of stuff turns out that holds us back. And then, of course, you know, the gremlins, the inner critic that, that, uh, that tells us things like, well, who the hell are you? What do you know? You're, you're just a big loser. You're just an amateur. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. You know, that kind of right. stuff. Right. And, and, and those are the very things that rob us of our true identity. Right. Um, exactly so, right. Uh, wow. Wow. It's pretty amazing. So it's almost interesting. It sounds like, you know, uh, coaching is sort of like spyware protection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On your computer, right? It protects us from, from uh, having those things steal who we are. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so great. So, uh, so Jim, as we as we begin to wrap, because we're almost at uh, at ten o'clock, um, what would you say as we as we bring this back to the the, the concept of, of coaching? What can you say, sort of bottom line, that will help our listeners tonight in living their purpose, uh, utilizing some of this information? Wow, I mean, that's a big question to answer in four minutes. <laughs> because it, I have a knack for doing that. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that came up is, is helping people identify what they would understand as being their purpose. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave everybody with a cliffhanger here. To me, there's a difference between the purpose of life and life's purpose. Mm-hmm. Because the purpose of life is why are we here to begin with? Not what are we doing while we're here, but why are we here? What's the, what's the whole reason for humans being here on this planet? And then our life's purpose, to me, is really the way that we would express ourselves. So our mm-hmm. purpose is our expression, and it's living in full expression, and it's expanding our expression of who we are. See, we, we, we all know on a very deep level, we all know who we truly are. And when we, when we come here in human form, what I believe we're here to do is to integrate the spiritual aspect with the human aspect. And living in full expression is that combined uh, entity. It's the human and spiritual working in conjunction with one another. It's the partnership. It's the, the joint venture, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's expressing ourselves through that combined entity. And that's who we really are. It, it's, and, and that gets back to the point that you were making earlier about the, the spiritual being having a human experience. But it's the combination of the two. It also gets to the point I was making earlier about being perfectly human. That's what we're here for, is to have that human experience, to be perfectly human, to have all the, the uh, qualities of being human, the vulnerabilities of being human, but also the emotions, the love, the joy, the happiness, the peace, all of those things that that we constantly strive for on a regular basis, 
mm-hmm. and yet there is no striving for it. it. It really is a matter of dropping the facade, as we've been talking about, and just allowing those things that are innately who we are just to be and to be expressed. Sure, it's already within us. It's lying dormant. It's there. We just have, if, if, we just have to stop doing the things that are covering it up. Yeah, I'm going to even say that it's not that it's lying within us. It is us. Uh-huh. Yep, I get that. Totally. That's great. That's really great. So um, this is great, Jim. Thank you. And uh, so as, as we wrap, I want to kind of give people an invitation here as well. I, I, so there's, there's many ways you can begin the path of really finding out who you are, which was your bottom line message. Um, so I, I, want to, I want our, our, our listeners to, to know how to, uh, how to get in touch with you if they feel like they'd like to work with you. I also want to invite people um, to actually, I didn't realize I was going to be chatting about this tonight, but the CBI, um, uh, the, the, the CVI assessment, the Core Values Index assessment that I've referred to several times this evening, you can take for free on my website. Um, so if you go to markmywordsradio.com, uh, and then if you click on the assessments tab, you'll see two assessments that I use with clients. You'll see the CVI is one of them, and you can click on the link, and you can actually take that for free, um, and then uh, just enjoy the report that you get from that, which really gives you some amazing insights. Uh, there's some upgrade options, too, as well as a live debrief with me, which I'd be happy to do uh, with folks as well, which you can also purchase online. Uh, so, Jim, how do people reach you if they'd like to get in touch with you? I mean, I've got uh, some of your links posted on my website, but why don't we go ahead and uh, announce that so if people want to reach out to you, uh, they, can, uh, they can go ahead and do that. They can go to my website. And the website is prosperitybydesign.com, prosperitybydesign.com. That's also the name of my business. It's Prosperity by Design, and it's an LLC. Or they can email me at jim at prosperitybydesign.com. And they can also call me at 703-626-8441. And if they go to my website, there's also information about the book and some, a chapter that they can read just to get an idea of what the book is all about. And I'm hoping it's going to be released about 30 days from now. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Well, and, and a, a, a pre-congratulations on the release of the book, Jim. That must be really exciting for you. It is, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, oh, certainly, certainly. I'm waiting for yours. <laughs> so am I. Um, thank you yeah so all right so now i'll put out there into the world that uh yes there will be one coming from me um and uh, i i have known for a long time that there's one in me so uh i've got to get it out and uh perhaps quieting my my gremlins and and whatnot would uh would certainly help so i may be giving you a call jim (laughs) sounds good So, great, great. And I know that anybody that calls you and chooses to work with you uh, would really be giving themselves a wonderful gift. So um, I encourage you all to do that. So, uh, great. Well, Jim, thank you. This has been really informative um, and and wonderful. And uh, I actually have received a couple of text messages during the program from people who are listening that – uh, that have been commenting on, you know, how much they really like the show. So I appreciate that. and so interestingly enough, actually, another caller just called in. I'm going to take the two minutes before giving our closing to go ahead and take this call, and let's see where that goes. And it looks like it is coming from your neck of the woods in Virginia from the 703 area code. Go ahead, call. You're on Mark My Words Radio. Hi. My name is Claudia. Hi, Claudia. And I have a question for Jim. Go right ahead. 
Okay. Uh, Jim, you had mentioned about in regard to living in full expression, there are certain events in our lives that may have caused a certain amount of anger within ourselves, and I wanted to get your opinion on how to overcome those. Great question. I'm, I'm thinking about this right now, mm -hmm. because what, what immediately comes to mind is there's more in-depth conversation that really needs to go into discovering what was the basis for the anger. But what I'll just say that I can answer over the radio like this is that one of the ways that I look at life is everything that happens is an experience, and it's an experience of ourselves within the context of the event that takes place. And when we look at those situations that create an anger in us, we have to look at the circumstances behind it and also the people that are involved in it. And I'm going to also look at this from a very spiritual standpoint, and that is that whoever was involved in the situation where this anger occurred actually is doing it on behalf of the other person. They're, 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 they've agreed to have this particular interaction with you so that you could have the experience of whatever that particular event is supposed to bring to you. And forgiveness is about forgiving ourselves for the thoughts we have about the other person and putting blame on them for having created the feelings that we hold within ourselves. Because we're responsible for our feelings. Nobody else is. Our anger is our own. We need to own that and understand that. So we need to look at, well, what is it about me that's causing me to hold on to this anger about this particular situation or about this particular person? I think but that's again, there's more questions that need to get in get to, to be asked to get more in-depth about it. Sure. I think that's an excellent answer, Jim, and I'll also add to it for, uh, for the benefit of our caller that um, when things trigger our anger, one thing that I find it very, very helpful uh, to, to, to realize is that, first of all, again, the anger is mine. It's already there. I already have the capacity to feel it. Something else came along and triggered it. Um, so that whatever comes along and triggers my anger is the stimulator but I'm the one that causes my experience around it, right? Um, so I find it helpful, and I advise my clients on this a lot too, to ask myself the question, if this person, if this other person that just angered me, right, was an angel sent by the universe to teach me something about myself for my own awareness and is really a gift, what would the message be that this person is there to send me? So um, that's about all the time we have to really get into that, but I hope that you found uh, Jim's answer and, and, uh, and my answer to be helpful to your question. Very helpful. Thank you. Great. You're very welcome. Thanks again for calling. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So some great questions tonight, which is uh, really lovely. So, so um, great. So, again, if you want to reach Jim, uh, his contact information is on my website in case you missed it. And so you can go to justmarkmywordsradio.com uh, where you can also click on the assessments tab and take the CVI and begin to learn a little bit more about who you are. So thank you again, Jim, for being here with us this evening. Thank you, Mark. Enjoyed it. Great show. Thank you. Great. You're welcome. And uh, so as we close, before I wrap it up, I just want you to feel free to mark your words if you'd like. If you have feedback for us that you'd like to communicate to the Life Coach Radio Network, visit us at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Network, And then click the follow button and send us a message. 
For feedback directly to me or to suggest a show topic, go to markmywordsradio.com radio.com and click home and contact scroll to the bottom and fill out the contact form i hope you enjoyed the past hour and you found it engaging enlightening and stimulating i look forward to speaking with you all again on my next episode of mark my words so thank you for listening to mark my words i'm mark and those are my words good night <laughs>